Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Good morning. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Man, I had to make sure I had my mic on. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing great this morning? That's good, man. I am Patrick. I'm the student pastor here uh, at Journey Community Church, man. Every single Wednesday night, I have the opportunity to hang out with some of your amazing kids along with some amazing leaders, man. As we get ready, we every single week, man, we dive into God's word so students can be engaged in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. It is an honor that I have the privilege to just hang out with y'all today. Um, this is the thing. As you do me a favor, if this message is really, really bad, email Pastor Bobby. And if the message is really, really good, you can email Pastor Bobby too. Amen? Amen. Let's dive in. Let's pray real quick before we dive into God's Word. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much, God, for an opportunity just to hang out with your people. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you hide me behind the cross, that your people see all of you and none of me. Allow your words to come from your throne. Allow your spirit to lead us so that we can hear from you, so we can see who you are in our lives, and God, that whatever thing is that's going on in our lives, God, we're able to correct that thing so that we can be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this place and what you have done thus far. Have your way in this place. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So for the last two weeks, man, we've been in a series called To the Church. Uh, for the last two weeks, Pastor Bobby has talked about the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, and, and both cases that he's talked about these different churches, he's talked about the good and the bad of the church. Today, I want to talk about the church of Pergamon. The church of Pergamon is known as the church that compromised. I heard a story about a man that went hunting one day, and while he, when he went hunting, he was looking for a big brown bear. He took his gun with him. He noticed that he has the bear in his sights, and he begins to squeeze the trigger, and then the bear says, hold on, hold on one second, hold on one second. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what's going on. And so the bear asked the guy, like, man, hey, what is it that you want? What is it that you want from me? And the guy tells the bear, he says, man, I am very, very cold, and I want a fur coat. The bear then saying, okay, hey, we're getting somewhere now, man. We're talking. Let's negotiate what's going on. And then the bear tells the guy, he says, hey, man, let me tell you what I want. Let me tell you what I want. The bear says, man, look, I am hungry, and I just want my stomach to be full. So what ends up happening is that the bear and the man walks into the forest, but the man decides that the hunter decides to leave his gun outside. He just kind of put his gun down. They go into the forest, and probably several hours later, the bear comes out, and the bear is alone. The bear is alone. He's by himself right now. And this is the whole thing when it relates to compromise. The hunter got exactly what he asked for. He said he wanted a fur coat, but the fur coat that he wanted actually was inside the bear's belly. And the bear got exactly what he wanted because his stomach was full. And that's the same thing that happens in our lives, man. We began to compromise, and that was what was happening in the church of Pergamum. They were compromising because they were listening to the teaching that was going on in that day. It's very similar to what goes on in our world today, man, is that Jesus' desire for us is to have holy lives. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart. But the church of Pergamum, was not doing that. Now, he has some good and some bad things that he addresses with them. And today, man, I want to dive into it, man, for the time that I have with you guys. Just kind of just, just answer like 
three questions. I'm going to ask three questions and then I'm going to answer all of those questions. But before we do that, let's read God's word real quick. We're in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, and this is what it reads. To the angel of the church of Pergamon write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who, to hold, who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Verse 16, repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17 says this, whoever has ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give him some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who received it. In order for us to understand this book, man, we got to go back and kind of read chapter one of the book. Because in chapter one of the book, verses one and 19, chapter one, verse 19 says this. He says, write therefore what you have seen, what, what is now and what will take place later. And when John is writing this, John is writing to this group of people about what is going on that particular time in history. He's writing to seven different churches. And you're going to learn about all these churches over the next few weeks. Um, the, 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 the church of Pergamon, man, they had like a, it was a capital of for, for like cults. They were doing all kinds of crazy things. They had the teaching of Balaam going on. They had the teaching of the Nicolaitans going on where the Nicolaitans said, hey man, you can indulge and do whatever you want to do without restraints or rules. Live the way you want to live. Isn't that kind of like the world that we live in right now? You can do whatever you want to do. Whatever makes your little heart happy, you do. That's the world that we live in right now. It's very similar. And we all do that. I, I, I told the first service, man, I can't think of one sin that I did that I did not enjoy in the moment. I can't think of one. Every last one of them, I enjoyed them in the moment. But we have to understand, man, that sin comes with a consequence. Sin comes with a choice. You've got to make a decision about what you're going to do. You've got to make a decision about whether you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. In the church of Pergamon, God, now he encourages them, but he also hits them straight across the face with the word of God. And what I want to do is kind of ask three questions and then I'm going to answer those questions. The first question I want to ask today is this. What can we learn from the church of Pergamon? What can we learn? I believe that in every single text that you read, there is something that God wants you to get out of. It. There is something that God wants you to learn in the text. Let me tell you the first thing we learned. The first thing we learned is this. We learn about their determination to stay faithful. Their determination to stay faithful. How do I know that? That's in verse 13. He said, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan dwells. When it talks about where Satan dwells, the people had a, a, an illusion or an altar that was put up on the top of the hill of the, of the, of the city. And it was, I think, something that they worshiped Zeus, where Satan lived. Satan's throne was there. People were doing whatever they wanted 
to do. And here it is, Antipas, whenever you see somebody's name mentioned in the Bible, that person is very, very important. Antipas, many times, uh, many scholars believe that he was either a church leader or a pastor. And he was preaching and teaching God's word and the people didn't like it. So you know what they did? They roasted him in a brass bull, not on a rec tech. In a brass bull. They cooked that brother alive. That just sounds absolutely God awful. They cooked him alive only because he was doing the right thing. Only because he was doing the right thing. And the Bible says this, that the people remained faithful. They did not renounce the name of Jesus. And you've got to decide in your life right now, how determined are you going to be as it relates to your faith? How determined are you going to be to grow in the knowledge of Jesus? How determined are you going to be to, to follow him every single day of your life? Because please understand, it is hard out there. It is so hard to follow Jesus when everything is being thrown at you every single day. Every single day. It's so hard. Man, you, you can't watch a television show without, without somebody throwing something at you every single day. And I'm pretty sure the church or program was dealing with the same thing. But even in them dealing with that, they stay determined to stay faithful. They stay determined to stay faithful. It kind of reminds me of a husband and a wife, man, fighting for their marriage. It kind of reminds me of parents fighting for their kids. Now, your kids are crazy. Yes, I said it. Let me tell you how I know they're crazy. They show up here every single Wednesday night because I'm crazy too. We all crazy together. Everybody crazy. But just as much as your kids are crazy, oh, you're crazy too. You took the words right out of my mouth. Like, like, like y'all crazy too. Y'all all in the house crazy together. Just drinking the same crazy juice. Everybody. And that's why we need Jesus to come into our lives, man. But you got to make a decision like how determined am I going to be in my faith? How determined are we going to be in my faith? That's the first thing we learn. The second thing we learn, we learn about their drift from the church. They drifted away from the church. How do I know that? This is in verse 14. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teachers of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So what ends up happening is that you got some people that are holding, they're trying to hold on to everything. They're trying to hold on to God's word. They're trying to hold on to the teaching of Balaam. They're trying to hold on to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And what Jesus says is this, you can't hold on to all of it. You've got to make a decision of what, what you're going to hold on to. And what ends up happening in our lives is this, is that sometimes the very thing that we hold ourselves to is the very thing that cannot hold us. So my question that I have for you today is this, what are you holding on to? Are you holding on to God's word? Or are you holding on to the world? Because I can promise you, you're doing one or the other. I can promise you that the church of Pergamum, they were holding on to the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. How do I know that? Because I, I've learned, man, whenever I hold on to something, I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. And they were holding on to this to the point that it pretty much allowed them to drift away from the church. And when I say drift away from the church, I'm not talking about drift away from a building. I'm talking about drifting away from people. I'm talking about drifting away from people. Because when it talks about the church, it talks about the ecclesia. That is a group of people. Satan, the devil, wants you to be by yourself on an island to the point that you don't ask for help. 
That is why access groups are so important. That's why small groups are so important. That's why here on Wednesday nights, man, we value students being in small group because everybody needs somebody. You cannot do this thing called life by yourself. And what ends up happening in the church of Pergamum, the people were holding on to something that could not hold on to them. What are you holding on to? Jesus corrects them and, and rebukes them in love. That's what he does. Not only that, when he addressed this group of people, he's addressing two groups of people. He's addressing the people that are doing wrong, but he's also addressing the people that are allowing the people to do wrong because they won't say anything to the people about what they're doing. I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm going to say it in a different way. When he addresses the issue with them, he addresses the people that are living like the world, but he also addresses the people that won't correct the people that are doing all the crazy stuff. It, it, it's that parent. It's, it's, that, it's the parent. Like, 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 I'm a parent, right? And there are sometimes, man, I really don't want to tell my kids, stop doing what you're doing. That, like, does everybody else feel like there are sometimes I'm like, man, if you want to run to that wall, just go ahead and handle your business. Do it. Just run straight head first into it. Like, I, like I get tired of correct. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Can anybody else relate to me on that? Like, I told y'all they're crazy. So, so here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. They're drifting away. They're drifting away because they're trying to hold on to worldly teaching. And they drift away from the church. Because being saved is not enough. It's not enough. It's great that you know Jesus. That's great. But Jesus wants you to have more than that. He wants you to have growth in him. He wants you to grow in the knowledge of him because he wants you to be consistent. He wants you to be committed. He wants you to be contagious to the point that when you come into this place, this is just, this is just an opportunity to party because you've parted before you got here. Because your heart is already in the right place. I don't, church don't happen when you show up. Church happens before you show up. Let me say that one more time. Church should happen when you in your car. It does not happen just because you come into this building. Because this thing, the Bible says, well, the presence of the Lord is there is liberty. Whenever I show up, church happens. It don't matter where I am. I could be at a football game. I can lose my mind about Jesus. I could be, I could be here on a Wednesday night and I can lose my mind about Jesus. I can be at a party. Not a party party, no. I just want to see y'all with listening to make sure y'all listen. listening. Like, what kind of party he talking about? Because Christians, you know, we don't party, man. You know, we don't do stuff like that. We, we don't do stuff like that, right? Georgia was playing at 3.30 yesterday, so. And they did win. They did win. We got Georgia fans in here. They did win. That's all. That's great. It's real great, man. I'm glad that you're excited about Georgia. But you know what, man? I'm going to tell you what I tell the kids. You, see, you got you to you know who you're talking to, man, because I'm gonna, like, I'm going to ask you, so what would happen if we put that same amount of energy into worshiping Jesus as we do worshiping our teams? Woo! Uh, but what happens, man, we drift away from the church. Jesus has an issue with them. So we learn about their determination. We also learn about their drift from the church. It kind of reminds me, of a story, man, like um, when, my, when I was in the eighth and ninth grade, I think it was eighth grade, ninth grade, I can't remember for sure. You know, the older you get, you know, you start forgetting stuff. So I think I may have been a freshman in high school and I can remember 
when my parents got divorced. I can remember that. I remember what happened. I remember what transpired. I remember all of that. And the reason why my parents drifted away from one another is because communication stopped. So why do I say that? And if you want, if you want a better relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to make sure that you're in constant communication with him. You've got to make sure you're talking to him. If you want a better relationship with your spouse, you've got to be communicating with them. Because there are two forms of communication. I've learned, I've been married for 15 years. Look, look, there is nonverbal and there is verbal. And there are times that nonverbal speaks louder than verbal. Trust me. Like, 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 oh, my wife's here. Okay. (laughs) My wife has a way of showing facial expressions to me that I know exactly what she's thinking. Exactly what she's thinking. So she's communicating with me. So you've got to make sure that you're communicating with one another because we don't make sure, man, we don't drift away from the church. God's desire is for us to do this thing called life together. So they drifted away. We saw their termination. We also understand they drifted away. Second question is this. What caused the church of Pergamum to compromise its faith? Something caused this to happen. Something caused this to happen. First thing that caused it to happen is that they stopped learning. How, how do I know that? How do, this is verse 14. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some, some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam. Verse 15 also says, he says, likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. What do I mean when I say they stopped learning? This is the thing. It's not that they stopped learning altogether. They stopped learning the right teaching. So they began to invest their time in things that could not hold them. They began to invest their time into things that couldn't carry them. And that's what we do in the world. We put more time in social media than we do anything else. Imagine what our lives would be like if we spent more time diving into God's word and watching Netflix. Amen. Hello. Jesus, I'm talking to me. I'm, I'm talking to me. Imagine what we, we could sit there for two and a half, three hours and watch a football game. And, and it's not a problem. But the moment somebody asks you to come to church just for, just for an hour, I can't be here no longer. An hour. That pastor got 30, 30 minutes. That's all I got. He, he ain't getting no more than that. He better get out. Whatever he has to get out, Kevin, because I ain't got time for that, man. The football game come on at 1 o'clock. The Falcons are playing. I don't know why you want to see them. They going to lose. I'm a, I'm a prophet. I'm telling you right. They're going to lose. Ain't no point of you even getting your, you're getting your heart all excited for that. I'm telling you right now. They ain't going to win. The only excitement we got around here in Georgia is watching them Braves and watching Georgia football, baby. That's the only excitement we got. But guess what? They'll let you down, too. I was there when the guy from Alabama caught the pass. I wasn't, like, there physically, but, I, you know, I was watching the television, and the moment he caught, I turned the television off. What caused the church of Pergamon to compromise their faith? They compromised their faith because they stopped learning. They also compromised their faith because they stopped listening. They stopped listening. This in verse 17, he says, whoever has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church, the churches. He never makes this statement if the people are listening to what is going on. So my question that I have for you today, are you learning and are you listening? Because they actually work together. So, man, I've been married for 15 years now, and I think it was last week, man, my wife sent me 
um, she sent me a text, and I think we may have talked on the phone. And she said, Pat, hey, I need you to go by the store. She said, I need you to pick up some tissue paper. She said, pick up three packs. You know, I said, okay, I got it, I got it. So I go to the grocery store, I get, the, I get um, paper towels, I get tissue paper. I think I picked some apples, some grapes and something else. Cause you never go in the grocery store. You, you go in the grocery store to get one thing, but you always come out with like 20. Like I go in there with a budget and it just don't work. Just don't work at all. So I get home, man, I walk in the house, I got all the stuff in my hand and I put the stuff down. And Tamika gives me that look. You, you know that look. You know, husband, that look your wife gives you when you already know you already, you've already done something wrong. I get that look. And I'm like, man, what did I do? She said, I told you to get three. Ask me how many I came in there with. One. one. Did you hear? One. I came up in there with one, dude. Now, she asked for three. But I came up in there with one. Because at the time, I was not listening and I was not learning. You would think after 15 years, I would have it together. But I don't. Now, I don't know why y'all laughing at me. Y'all don't listen and learn, ain't learning either. Don't sit there and act like I'm the only one. How many of y'all been married for a while? How many of y'all been married for a while? Wives, do your husband listen to you? They don't listen to nothing I tell them. I ain't told him to put that seat down a hundred times. And every time I get up to go use the bath, I just fall straight into the toilet. And then you got the husband over there saying, man, look, I done told her to stop cooking, uh, overcooking the food. I ain't going to tell her again. <laughs> now, now, hold on. That's what he says in his head, because the moment he says it out loud, he'll never get another meal. <laughs> he'll never get another one. So you better learn how to listen <laughs> and learn. The church of Pergamon, they were not doing that, man. They were not doing that. God wanted to open their eyes to both. It kind of reminds me of the children of Israel, man, over and over again throughout history, man. Every single time that God would come to them, he would want them to listen and learn. It kind of reminds me of Saul, too. But he wouldn't listen because there were times when God, um, the, the prophet told Saul to kill all the Amalekites, and he didn't do it. He didn't listen. It kind of reminds me of David, too, where David was supposed to be out to battle, but David was on the roof of his house. And he was watching this young lady and David was saying, isn't she lovely? Isn't she beautiful? I won't sing. I normally don't do that on Wednesday nights. So I won't sing for y'all because it sounds pretty bad. Trust me. It'll wake the dead. <laughs> but at the same time, we, 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 all, we all do that. We all were, we don't, we're not listening and learning. And throughout history of the Bible, man, people have done that. But man, I know a guy that did both at the same time. The Bible says that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was listening and he was learning all at the same time. And every single time that the enemy tried to persuade him to do something else, God always came back with a rebuttal. He always came back with the word of God. You want to know how to get your life together. You want to you know what you need to do in order to listen and learn. And you got to get into God's word. You've got to be connected to God so that you can hear from God so that you can do what it is that God has called you to do. Today is a great day to start listening and learning. Teenagers, is a great, today is a great day to start listening and learning. We make life hard on ourselves because we won't do it. I did it. I was in high school. I'll say it. I was stupid. That, that probably is not a nice word, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. You can email Pastor Bobby that I said that. I'm going to be in trouble. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 
Third question, third question is this, how can we stay faithful in a world that, that compromises? So, so I've talked about what they did. Now let's, let's apply this thing to us. We can stay faithful when we, when we address our behavior. Uh-oh, this is the moment where I'm getting ready to step on some toes. This is what the Bible says. It says, repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. We've got to address our behavior, y'all. Why? Because if we don't address our behavior, God is going to address our behavior. Oh, and you don't want God to, you, you can do it two ways. You can either do it your way, the easy way, or you can do it God's way, the hard way. Trust me, you don't want the second one. And when Jesus comes to them and tells them this, he's telling them, I need you to change what you're doing. He tells them, I need you to repent of what you're doing. Repenting basically means I'm changing my mind. I'm going in the wrong direction, so I'm turning now to go in the right direction. A lot of times in our, in our co current culture, man, we tolerate certain behaviors. We tolerate it. But in the kingdom of God, there is a standard that we must live by. You can't live the way you want to live. I tell teenagers this all the time. You can't be who you want to be and be who God wants you to be. It does not work like that. Amen. It doesn't work like that. He says, repent. You've got to address your behavior. And I know you're sitting there saying, Pastor, how do I address my behavior? You address your behavior like this. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where are the people that want to address their behavior? Because I understand this, man. We don't like to be told what to do at all. Don't tell me what to do. No, 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 no. Don't tell me what to do. I do exactly what I want to do. Why? This is my life. It's now or never. Kevin knows exactly what I'm talking about. As a song, if y'all didn't know that, that went way over your head. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus is going to come back to you. He's going to give it to you in the spirit. But we got to repent. We got to repent of our behavior. And there's not a person in here that doesn't have things that they have not addressed. Because if you don't address those things, those things will address you. If you don't deal with what's going on in your life, it'll deal with you. You ever wonder why people are struggling with depression and they're struggling with, they're addicted to certain things because they're addicted to certain things because they don't want to address their behavior. And that what was going on in the church of Pergamon. They did not want to address their behavior. They wanted to continue and continue to live the way they wanted to live. And you cannot do that in the kingdom of God. Yes, they attended church every single week. Yes, they went to access groups. Yes, they were in a small group. And Jesus still had an issue with them. He still had an issue with them. Why? Because they were not living holy lives. They were not doing what God had called them to do. It's not enough just to show up at church. It, that's not enough. That's not enough. And we wonder why. Oh, my God, I'm about to get on the soapbox. I'm going to get in so much trouble. And we wonder why our kids are messed up. Some of that is on us because we won't do what we're supposed to do. We're living the way we want to live. And then we want to get on to our teenagers about what they're doing. How about we do better? If we do better, they'll do better. Trust me. Ain't nobody saying you need to be perfect. I'm not saying that because I fall right into that category too. There are times I want to 
I won't say cussing about it. There are times that I want to wave at somebody when they cut me off. God bless them. I'm shooting some at you, but... But, but, I mean, there are times, man, I'm not above anybody. There are times, man, but let me, let me talk about just Wednesday night right now. There are times, right, these teenagers be getting on my nerves. And I love them. I do. God knows I love them. I'm crazy about teenagers, man. I want them to know Jesus. I do. I, Lord knows I do. But I know, I, I know if they're getting on your nerves at home, they're getting on my nerves here. And they just come here with all they mess. And you know what we do? We just love them straight through it. That's what I'll leave. We just love them straight through it. Why do we do that? Why? Why? Because we want them to address their behavior. Why? So that they can change. Why? So they can be the person that God has designed for them to be. Why? Because Jesus loves them that much. Just like the church of Pergamon, he wanted them to change. And he asked them to address their behavior. So my, my son, right? My son, he's in, he's in the fifth grade. He, he, he doesn't like taking showers. Well, it's better now. But no, I'm serious, it is. If y'all got like a, a son that's in the fifth and sixth grade, I'm telling you, and you had kids, they don't like taking showers. They don't like taking showers at all. Now, he'd rather play games and Legos than take showers. So that was one day... Um, my wife said, um, Preston, you take a shower? He said, yeah, I took a shower. So, he, now he changed clothes. But he did not, he didn't take a shower. So, he, my wife goes upstairs. She looks in the, look in the shower. She's like, there's no water in there. Okay. You know, the shower's not even wet. Hold on a second. She goes to the other one. Ain't no water in there either. Preston, come here for a second. Yes, ma'am. He comes out looking all innocent. If you ever seen Preston, man, he's all innocent. Pray you take a shower. Yes, ma'am. Right. Hold your arms up. <laughs> Son, if you took a shower and you smell like that, I need to have somebody to come check our water because something is wrong. But, but, but I had to address, and my wife had to address his behavior. Why? Because I had to teach him that lying is not right. So I don't want you to take a shower just because you stink, but actually I do. I want to take a shower because I want you, when you get in your bed, I need you to be clean. So fresh and so clean, clean. That's outcast for those that don't know. It's funny how you can just throw, throw that into the message like that. Yeah, I'm crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. I did say that. So we got to make sure that we address our behavior. Not only that, we can stay faithful when we apply his teachings. When we apply his teaching. This is in verse 17. He says, whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I will give him some hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it. Known only to the one who receives it. The author, uh, John, wants us to address our behavior, but he wants us to address it by applying God's word. And this is the thing. You can't apply it if you ain't ever in it. Amen. You can't apply it 
and receive the blessings that God has for you if you don't read the story. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And when he says that he wants to give them hidden manna, what he's telling them, he said, I want to give you the bread of life. He wants them to have the benefit of knowing Jesus. He wants them to have spiritual substance that will keep them focused on God. And when he says he's going to give them the white stone, what he's telling them, I'm going to give you access to a banquet that's going to have your name on. It's almost like receiving a special letter that comes directly to you. That is what God is going to give you when you do the right thing. Blessings are on this side, but in order to get to that side, you've got to clean up some things in your life. All of us have things we need to clean up and we need to address. It's time out, man, for not addressing things. It's time out for just keep going status quo. It's time out for that. Because God keeps giving us warnings after warnings after warnings after warnings after warnings. And at some point, you're not going to get a warning anymore. At some point, that's not going to happen. You've got to make a decision, man, where are you going to stand? Because this is the thing, this is the thing. Where you stand will determine how you, how you live your life. Where you stand, if you stand on God's word, you're going to live on God's word. If you stand with the world, you're going to look just like the world. You're going to do what the world does. But you've got to make a decision today whether you're going to build your life on Jesus or you're going to build your life on world, on the world. you got to make a decision today if you're going to build your life on doing all these things for your kids and your kids don't know Jesus that amounts to nothing at all. You've got to make a decision today what you're going to do. It is that serious. It's time out for playing church. It's time out for playing that. I'm passionate about this, y'all. I'm passionate about this. Why? Because I got teenagers that are struggling and going through, screws my, excuse my friend, they are going through hell right now. They are struggling right now and they're trying to build their life, but they can't build their life because the adults won't build their life on Jesus. It's time out for that. It's time out for that. We need Jesus like never before. The thing about the Church of Pergamon and the, all the seven churches that we're going to talk about is this. Those churches no longer exist, which tells me this. They didn't fix their behavior. They, they didn't listen to what the Spirit of the Lord was saying to them. They didn't build their life on Jesus. So today... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to continue to drift away from the church? Are you going to stay determined? Are you going to start listening and learning? Are you going to begin to apply God's words to your life? Are you going to address your behavior? Are you going to be like the church of Pergamon that never had the opportunity to walk into the blessings that God had for them? Everybody stand with me real quick. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. But my challenge for you today is this, is that you begin to build your life on Jesus. My challenge for you today is this, if there's a person in here that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the, it is the best decision that you will ever make in your life. It changes your destiny. It changes your life. It changes your family's life. It changes generations. 
my desire for you, Pastor Bobby's desire, desire for you, God's desire for you more than anything is that you have a personal relationship with him and that you grow into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we want for you. And how do we get that? We get that when we dive into God's word. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.